0: Do you crave daily motivation and want valuable tips for dealing with the stress of type 1 diabetes? Sign up for our daily email and start your day with a practical type 1 diabetes and mental health tip delivered straight to your inbox. It's like a personal boost for your day, from me to you. And best of all, it's absolutely free. Don't wait. Go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash tip and subscribe today, because every day with type one diabetes deserves a healthy start. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash tip. This podcast is brought to you by ultra rapid acting inhaled insulin. Hey there. So it's the first week of September and that what that means on the podcast is that we're gonna do a review of my life with type one diabetes in August. And let me tell you, it's been an eventful month, not from the diabetes point of view, but from my life point of view. And I want to really talk to you about how I was able to integrate my diabetes, my diabetes management, as well as some stress around diabetes into some things that happened in my life in August. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the Live Free with T1D podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast where we teach you how to build your type one diabetes stress management plan like a sailboat. You are the captain, your diabetes management is the haul, your mindset is the sails, your behavior is the rudder, and your support team is the crew. And when you build your sailboat correctly, you will have smooth sailing in your life with type one diabetes. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, And on this episode, I talk about the month of August in my life. And how the adventures that I had, the challenges that I had, and diabetes all played together to make it an adventurous, fun, but somewhat challenging month. So let's get to it. So right now we're at the beginning of September, and so August is a a, a recent memory for me. And I want to, first of all, before I dive into the diabetes part, give you an overview of what happened this month. So basically, for the month of August, I was traveling for most of it. The first part of it was travel, was travel for fun. My family and I went on a vacation. And then the last part, I went to Australia to give a talk at the Australian Diabetes Congress. And so not only did I have a big road trip and then being off the grid for about a week, but then I came home for one night, got on an airplane and flew for 15 hours around the world to Australia where I gave a talk and then did some fun things and then flew home. And then August all of a sudden was over. So let's talk about these things one by one. So on August the 9th, I believe it was, my family and I went on a big road trip. Um, We live in San Diego, and so we got in the car and we drove from San Diego to St. George, Utah. And the next day, we spent the day at Zion National Park. So a couple things about Zion and national parks. First of all, if you're not aware of this, If you're a person with type 1 diabetes or have someone with type 1 diabetes in your family, you're able to get what's called a National Park Access Pass. This pass is absolutely free. And what it does is it gives you and whoever's in your car free access to any national park in the country, in the United States, that is. And what it does is it gives you and anybody in your car access to national parks in the US for free. And this pass is good for your entire life. So there's no expiration, there's no, you know, worries about, you know, having to renew it, nothing like that. You just have this pass. So I had a pass and that I got several years ago. What you do is you go online and you fill out a form. I think they ask you to upload a note from your doctor or something like that, and then a couple weeks later you get a pass in the mail. And the pass just, you know, is a little card. And you go through the line and you just show the ranger your pass and they let you in. Um, So I got this pass a couple years ago. And then I lost it. I thought it was in my car because I had used it to go on another trip um, to go to another national monument and use it then. And I put it back in my car. I thought it was there, but it wasn't. And so I was really nervous because I didn't have time to get a new pass. And certainly I could have paid the money to get in the national park, but I wanted to use my access pass. So we got in line at Zion. There's a little bit of a line to get into the park, and we were waiting. And we got to the ranger station, and I said, hey, um, I have a disability, didn't say what it was, and I'd like to get an access pass. And he said, no problem. So he pulled out his little form, and I, filled, I signed a paper saying that I had a disability. And by the way, type 1 diabetes is listed as a disability for the access pass, so you're not lying by saying that you have a disability. And he gave me the pass, and that was it. So now I have the pass. It's in this very safe place. I'm not going to lose it. But there were no questions asked. And so, you know, I'm not a big fan of pulling the diabetes card to get special privileges. But since diabetes is on the list as a disability for the national parks, I'm going to take advantage of that. And so I was able to get in the national park for free. And now I can go to any other national park um, in the country for the rest of my life for free as long as I don't lose my pass. But if I lose my pass... I'll just get another pass um, when I go to the park. So uh, pro tip here is if you want to get it in advance, go ahead. Um, it's actually a little bit more of a process to get it in advance by going online and uploading a note from your doctor. But if you want to do that, by all means, do it. But if you don't want to do that, or if you don't remember to do it before you go to a national park, then just ask the ranger. Say, hey, I have a disability. I've heard varying stories from people about whether or not they ask you to you know, show proof that you have diabetes. And if they ask you that, you, know, you can either say, you know that you can't ask me that question because they can't. Or you can show them your insulin pump or show them your insulin pen or whatever it is that you have that shows you have diabetes. They're not gonna question you. They just wanna make sure that you're not cheating the system, I think. So we got in the park, and by the way, if you've ever been to Zion National Park, I would highly recommend it. And we decided to go on a couple hikes. Um, and the way that Zion works is it's a big, long canyon. And so there's a couple of hikes right at the ranger station, right where you get in. And then there's also a bus that goes all the way up the canyon. I think it's about seven or eight miles up the canyon. And there are stops along the way that you can get off and go on different hikes. And so we went on a hike uh, right by the ranger station to start. Uh, it was a beautiful hike. And it's really cool because the geography of the area changes um, every couple hundred feet. And so you're going to get to see different colors of rocks and different landscape and different plants. Um, it's really cool. As we're going, of course, my blood sugar goes low. And you know, it's that's one of those things that I know can be very scary for people, thinking about going on a hike or going on an adventure, especially in a more rural area and having a little blood sugar. The, here's the thing, though. And what I've learned in my lifetime, what I do, and what I practice when I am going hiking is I'm always overprepared. So the goal here is not necessarily to prevent the lows from happening. You know, if we can, of course, but I don't want to run my blood sugar high all day long in order to avoid that low. But what I do to calm my anxiety, to make myself more confident, is when I'm hiking, I always have many more snacks than I actually need. I know that I'm overprepared so that no matter how many times I go low, I'm able to treat the lows and they keep on going. Because the last thing that I know that you want and the last thing that I want for you or for myself is to, one, be anxious about going hiking, and second of all, to avoid hiking altogether because of worries about low blood sugar. So what I would encourage you to do if you're going hiking is be overprepared. I had a, um, a a crossbody bag on that really helped me to just have all that those snacks. My wife had some snacks in her bag as well, and we just went along. When I went low, I stopped for a minute. You know, took a break. It was a nice, beautiful view to take a break at, and we were able to just enjoy the day while my blood sugar came back up. Um, so when we started the hike, it was about 90 degrees. It was hot outside. And then all of a sudden, the the storm came in. And by the time we were about halfway through, it started raining. And the temperature had dropped probably 20 or 30 degrees. It was probably in the mid 60s, low 70s. By the time we were halfway through the hike, and we had a cool adventure because uh, we were you know, w- hiking back and all of a sudden the raindrops started coming. And they were really, really big. And we took some time to enjoy the next 20 or 30 minutes watching the rain come down, but in a dry place. And that was great. Um, no diabetes worries there, but it was kind of a fun fun adventure. I uh, spent the rest of the day just hiking around and going and seeing other parts of the park. I uh, saw these really cool rocks that were crying, uh, the rocks that somehow hold water in them, and then the the water seeps out. Um, so it looks kind of magical, because you're wondering, how is the water coming out of this rock when there's no storm in sight? By that time, the storm had passed. And then at the very end of Zion, there is a hike I forget what it's called, but there's a hike that goes by the river up to another hike, which we didn't do, by the way, called the Narrows. And the Narrows is a hike completely in water. You can go up to eight miles uh, through the river, and some of it is very, very narrow um, up there. And I really want to go back there sometime and do that hike. By the way, I'm thinking at some point in the future... I'm going to be planning some adventure trips for people with type 1 diabetes, especially folks who are worried about low blood sugar and worried about being more adventurous and helping them from a psychological point of view do these things. And Zion and the Narrows is high on my list of uh, thoughts about where we might do these trips. If you have any other ideas about what types of trips you want to do, or if you'd be interested in doing this, please send me a note. I'd love to hear from you about your thoughts about that uh, that adventure. After Zion, we took another long road trip um, from St. George, Utah, Zion area down to Scottsdale, Arizona. And talk about a change of scenery. Wow, it went from you know, kind of this beautiful area where it was uh, cool and there was canyons and rivers uh, through the desert. And the thing that struck me there was I was in the car for about eight hours that one day. And that really threw a loop to my blood sugar. After being really active one day, I think I walked about 17 or 18,000 steps in Zion. The next day, we drove for seven hours down to Scottsdale. And my blood sugars were pretty high that day. You know, being sedentary, especially after being really active, um, can be really, really challenging. And then we got to Scottsdale, and it was probably, I don't know, 106 degrees or so. So it was really, really warm. And I know that for some people, including myself, really hot weather can have an impact on blood sugars. For some people, it sends them really high. For some people, it sends them low. And for some for some of us, it goes all over the place. So my blood sugars were up and down. I think that's partially because of sitting in the car all day. And then partially because the next day, we were just in Scottsdale in the heat. We were in, went swimming at the pool. I went to a baseball game, walked around. But that heat really had an impact. Now to the great part of our adventure. Um, Last year, and again this year, my family and I went on an adventure to a place in eastern Arizona. It is a horse ranch where you can ride horses and you know just be in nature all week long. But here's the thing that I think that may scare people who have type 1 diabetes. It is completely off the grid. They do have an emergency phone, but cell phones do not work there's no internet access and they only have electricity part of the day. They have a generator that generates electricity and it's only on in the morning. Um, and then all afternoon it's off. And then it's only on from about 6 PM until 10 PM and then no electricity at all. And you know, my, I did fine. I, it was, you know, I, I think that I'm confident enough in my diabetes management and how to handle these things where, you know, it wasn't, wasn't an issue for me. But I know that for some of you, thinking about going off the grid or being somewhere very rural where there's little access to services, medical services especially, can be really scary. And I want to talk to you about what I did to make sure I was safe. When thinking about expanding your diabetes management toolkit, you may not be thinking about insulin. There haven't been a lot of new insulins to put in your toolbox. Sure, there are different brands, but nothing really unique when it comes to insulin delivery, except for Afrezza. Afrezza insulin human inhalation powder, is unique because it's the only ultra-rapid-acting inhaled insulin available. It's a man-made, orally-inhaled insulin and is used to control high blood sugar in adults with diabetes. Without the need for mealtime insulin injections. Once you inhale Afrezza into your lungs using the inhaler, it will start reducing your blood sugar in about 12 minutes, and it's out of your bloodstream within 1.5 to 3 hours, depending on the dose. Keep in mind that Afrezza must be used with basal insulin in people who have type 1 diabetes. To learn more about inhaled insulin, visit www.afrezza.com that's a f r e z z a . c o m Afrezza is a rapid-acting inhaled insulin used to control high blood sugar in adults with diabetes mellitus. Afrezza may cause serious side effects, including sudden lung problems, low potassium, and heart failure. Afrezza is not for patients with chronic lung disease such as asthma or COPD. Tell your doctor if you smoke recently stopped smoking, have ever had kidney or liver problems, a history of lung cancer, or if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. Most common side effects are low blood sugar, cough, and sore throat. Severe low blood sugar can be fatal. Do not replace basal insulin with a Frezza. A Freza is not for use to treat diabetic ketoacidosis. Do not take a Freza if you are allergic to insulin. Talk to your doctor before changing your Frezza dose. Blood sugar may need to be checked more frequently. First of all, I want to recognize that CGM technology and insulin pump technology is amazing. And I would not want to do without my CGM or my pump or the two of those things working together. But I I think we also have to realize that it's important to know how to manage diabetes manually, you know, without that technology in case something goes wrong. And I think that one of the concerns people have about being off the grid is what happens if my CGM breaks or I lose contact, I lose connection to my CGM or my insulin pump doesn't charge or things like that. And those are all really valid concerns. However, I would hate to have those stop you from being adventurous. And the anecdote to that is knowing what to do if something happens to your pump or CGM or something doesn't work. Now, this didn't happen to me, but I want—I th- don't want that to be a barrier for you to having these types of adventures. And so what did I do? I made sure that I packed lots of extra supplies. I had a completely separate pump set that I packed just in case something happened. And then I had some insulin pens, some test strips, all kinds of things so that I had all of the tools I needed to deal with any situation that came up even if my technology didn't work. Now, while we didn't have phone service, um, my phone worked to be a CGM receiver. So did my pump. Um, And so that really was an issue. I had access to my blood sugars. But, you know, being off the grid like that can be scary because, you know, you may may feel like you're completely isolated. Um, The... They have an emergency medical plan at the at the ranch that I was at in case something happens. Now, now they told me they never had to call the emergency medical team um from a town about an hour away ever um at the ranch, or at least not in a long time, and especially not for somebody who has diabetes and a diabetes related issue. But it is something that they, have a plan to address and having a plan is so important in our diabetes management making sure that we know you know what we're gonna do if something happens or when something happens. It's just a critical part of that um, management plan um, and also as, and the same thing goes for your stress. you want to make sure that you know what to do when you feel burnt out, when you feel anxious, when you feel stressed. you have a plan to address that. If you have a plan, especially if you're going to be doing adventures and adventures that are off the grid and away from civilization. Having that plan about what to do is going to be critical for your anxiety. Now, is it completely safe? Well, yes and no. I think it's no less safe than being at home. You know, having diabetes and driving a car and doing all kinds of things in life There's no guarantees, of course, but you want to do whatever you can to make sure that you have all the backstops in place. And I think this is the most important part without completely avoiding activities. The backstop should not be avoidance. The backstop should be making a plan about what to do in case of an emergency. How do I make sure that my risks are limited? And if you can do that, you're going to be in good shape with your diabetes and most importantly with your diabetes and mental health. So then... We had an even bigger adventure. So as we were leaving the ranch, um, this was on Saturday, the twenty, the nineteenth, I believe, or the eighteenth of August. We got word that a hurricane was headed for San Diego, which is where we live. And so we were driving home, you know, thinking about what happens if our city gets hit with a hurricane. Not to mention, the next day I had a ticket to fly out of Los Angeles to go to Australia to give my talk, and so I was worried about what happens if I have to, you know, miss my talk because of this hurricane. Luckily, we got home. Yes, it rained. Um, there was some a little bit of flooding in the area, but nothing too bad, and I was able to get on my plane and go to Australia. And it wasn't my plane; it was, you know, airlines' planes, a plane, of course. But um, I drove for 11 hours one day, was home for one night, and then got on a plane for 15 hours. So again, I was sedentary for a very long time. And I had a huge time change. I think the time change between San Diego and Australia is something like 17 hours. And so my body was um, in a rough spot then, both blood sugar-wise. My blood sugars were definitely on the high side. Um, and then just you know being tired and not having been you know, active at all for that long. When I got to Australia, I was a baggage claim, and my blood sugar definitely went low. I'm not sure if you've heard about this phenomenon called baggage claim lows. Um, but what happens, at least the theory is, is that when a plane descends and comes down uh, and lands, um, the pressure in, the, in an insulin pump actually changes, and it can give you a little bit of extra insulin. Now, I'm not sure if that's what happened to me or whether it was a, t- a timing issue around my, you know, my basal rates and, sh- and kind of my body being in all kinds of a weird spot, but um, I definitely had a low blood sugar um, in the airport waiting for my bags in Sydney, Australia. Um, but again, I was able to know that I had the resources available to me right there to be able to deal with it. So no, it wasn't comfortable, but I wasn't super anxious because I knew that, you know, first of all, I was around a lot of people, but second of all, I had what I needed to take care of myself, and that was really key. So was in Australia for the Australian Diabetes Congress. I was invited to give the keynote address of the Australian Diabetes Congress this year, and what I talked about was how we have to reimagine what mental health support and treatment looks like for people with type 1 diabetes. I said this before, but I'll say it again right now. I really believe that we need to change the way we think about how we provide support to people. Um, because in the olden days, and even right now, I should say, not wasn't even the olden days, it's actually the current state. I think that many of us have this view that, well, there's this dividing line. And on one side of the dividing line are people who really need mental health treatment. They need therapy, And on the other side, you're doing just fine. There's this black or white dividing line in people's minds. On one side, you're doing really well. And on the other side, you are in dire need of help. And there's no middle ground there. The reality is, I think we all know this, people living with type 1 diabetes, is that there's always a middle ground. The people with diabetes need a lot of things. Some people may need to listen to a podcast like this one. Some people may need to read a book. Some people may need an Instagram post. Some people may need a guided process. And some people may need therapy. But it's all a continuum. And what I really wanted to do in this talk was to illustrate that to the diabetes educators and to the endocrinologists I was talking to in Australia. And the great news is they were very receptive. Um, I, w- I have to say that the people in Australia are wonderful and they were really receptive to these new ideas about how to support the mental health needs of people with type 1 diabetes. And so I had a really great time in Australia. Um, I- I'd never been there before and it was a wonderful trip. Got to do some fun sightseeing, got to see, meet some great um, diabetes educators and endocrinologists and people working with uh, the diabetes community in Australia. Um, it was really a wonderful time. Uh, but then i have to say that jet lag was really challenging and it was challenging both for my body and for my sleep but also for my blood sugars and i recognized that um and what helped me get through that uh, and you know really kind of ride that wave was recognizing that it was a temporary thing and what i kept telling myself was this too shall pass both my fatigue and you know really kind of trying to sleep at normal times but also my blood sugar variation I knew that the reason why my blood sugars were going crazy, um, and not that crazy, but, you know, more more variable than I really wanted them to be, was because I was in a new situation. And so, you know, giving myself that grace to have a good time in Australia, to not really worry about keeping my blood sugars in really tight range, um, was really important for me. Now that I'm home, you know, I'm really putting in the effort to make sure that I'm, you know, eating better to sleeping better and really getting them back into the range that I want them to be. But recognizing there are times in your life, um, sometimes in those times may be days or weeks, and sometimes they may be even months where things are not going to be as easy. And giving yourself that some grace in those times, I think is a really critical part of your mental health with type 1 diabetes, recognizing that, yes, this will pass. You'll come back to a place of stability of where norm, where you're, it's normal, where you're back home if you've been traveling, or when things aren't as stressful, and that will give you a grounding place to, to be able to you know have a solid place where you can keep on going with your diabetes management, as well as with your mental health. At the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action that you can use in your life right now in order to improve your mental health to, you know, feel more confident in your life with type diabetes. And today your plan of action is make sure you have a plan for lows. You know, when I talked about going low in the airport and also going low on my hike, the thing that kept me confident that I could take care of myself and kept my anxiety from going out of control was making sure I had that plan. So if you don't have a plan right now, I want to make sure that you have that plan. Make sure you have a plan about you know, how, wh- where are my supplies? How am I carrying my supplies? How many supplies do I have? And then maybe even double that so that you make sure that you have more than you need. And if you're able to do that, then adventures are going to be at your fingertips. You're going to be able to do things that you want to do in your life type of diabetes that you never thought possible because you were worried about lows. But now that you have that plan to deal with the lows when they come, not trying to avoid them completely, but trying to have that plan to know what to do with them, you're going to be in a much better place. On that note, thank you so much for joining me for my August recap, and I look forward to seeing you again real soon. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat, so you could have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.